This is Alopecia Life with your host, Deanne Graham. You'll hear interviews with specialists in their field and parents who are helping their child move through life while living with alopecia areata, along with conversations with alopecia rock stars who are making a difference. Alopecia Life is here to provide you with support, accurate information, inspiring stories, and life hacks to help you navigate the world of hair loss. Whether you've just been diagnosed or have had it for ages, Alopecia Life has been created to share all the information you may want or need to do alopecia your way. Thank you for joining us for Alopecia Life today, and this is our third bonus episode reading of Head On Stories of Alopecia, and today's guest is Mimi Rivard. Andre, her son, read a few weeks ago, and this is an extension of their story. We would love to hear your comments, so come on over to the Alopecia Life Facebook group and leave them there. Andre started losing his hair three years ago in June. He'd been sick with fevers and fatigue for the first part of the month. He underwent a workup for anemia, but everything was negative. I was worried that it was something more serious, so it's a huge sense of relief to find out that he was okay. In July, I noticed a round patch of hair loss on top of his head as I was sunblocking him for the pool. Then he told me kids were asking why he didn't have eyebrows. Did he have eyebrows? That was a moment. I hadn't noticed they were gone. Within a week, he was off to sleepaway camp with his sister. By the time he came home and I did my post-camp lice check, I saw that he had lost about a third of his hair. We quickly went back to the pediatrician and had an appointment with the dermatologist within a week. August, alopecia, no lupus, thank God. Many treatment options were discussed. Topical steroids, chemical irritants, injections. We started with the steroids. We ended with the steroids. This isn't working and it's a waste of my time, Andre stated. The wisdom of an eight-year-old is a remarkable thing. Andre was completely hairless by October. A fantastic barber, a wonderful dermatologist, and many friends supported us along the way. No, we weren't going to put a wig on a little boy. No, we aren't going to pursue injections or clinical trials. It's hair. It's not easy. It's not deadly either. As a parent, my emotions have run the gamut from despair to pride. I've watched my child hang his head. I have also watched him strut. Last year, he and his friend did a fundraiser for the Children's Alopecia Project at school. I love my son so much. I'm so proud of him. Alopecia doesn't get you good grades, sports success, or popularity. It's not an excuse to skip the study time, slack off, or shy away. It has allowed for tremendous maturity empathy, and emotional strength not typically accessed in childhood. We take it a day at a time. Mimi, thank you so much for joining us on Alopecia Life today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I'm really happy to actually be able to participate. Yeah. And your story in Head On Stories of Alopecia means so much to me and to all the listeners and the readers of the book because your message was really short and sweet and to the point. What would you say you're taking from the experience of living with a child who has alopecia and was diagnosed at the age of eight, right? I actually think he was seven Seven. um, when he was diagnosed. Yeah. 
it's been a really interesting, I hate the word journey, but I'll just say journey. It's so corny, but it's actually pretty descriptive and factual. So I think that what I've taken from it is that people are inherently good. Some people are just not able to access their goodness on a regular basis. I think that it's given me so many gifts and strengths and really helped me to be a better person. Um, I'm a healthcare provider. It's helped me to be more empathetic and actually helped me to empower you know, both my kid and the patients that come see me every day, that the concept of radical acceptance and self-love is probably the best gift that you could give yourself. So I think it's been quite a ride, but that I think was what really kind of punched my ticket, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And what would you say, actually, would you say you would do anything different from early diagnosis if you had the experience to live over again? Well, I don't think that I would have done anything differently in terms of the way that we approached diagnosis and treatment. I think that I would have been a little bit more assertive and and worked a little bit harder to empower Andre earlier on. I was kind of empowering him to make decisions in real time in the doctor's office, Mm -hmm. but I would have maybe prepped him a little bit more for that first medical visit and said, hey, you're going to be asked questions that you alone are going to be able to answer and just allowed him sort of the, talk to him a little bit more about agency and like his own agency and decision-making processes. So he didn't feel so on the spot when the doctor offered him treatment options. I think that Andre was a little bit shocked at age, you know, seven to have me turn to him in the doctor's office and say, it's your decision. What do you want to do? I think Mm -hmm. that that was a little scary for him. So I think I would, in retrospect, have prepped him a little bit and said, hey, you're going to be asked how you want to approach this. So I think that would be different. But you know, having said that, we also weren't quite sure what was going on because he had been pretty physically ill before his alopecia manifested itself. It was coming on the heels of him being sick with fevers of unknown origin for several weeks. And so we were concerned it was lupus. But yeah, I think if you go into the visit knowing that your kid is going to be diagnosed with alopecia, probably giving them as much agency as possible, like out of the gate would be something that I would highly recommend. I think that's a a real bold leap though for most parents, right? Especially at that age to go, okay, you know, we've been making decisions for you for seven years of your life. And this is why we do it because we're adults and we have this perspective. But then to, like you said, just turn it around and say, okay, here you go, you know, make this decision. It, It is, it's probably really startling. And for you going into it with your medical background, I think that mm-hmm. that gave you, you had so much more insight on mm-hmm. on how that appointment would look like. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it would have been a really great thing to role play and kind of say, this yes. may be what you're looking at? Yeah. I think that like, I've always talked with my kids about body autonomy. This is your body, you know, talking about all the issues around body autonomy, consent, and who should be touching you, what kinds of topics you want to talk about about your body. 
just how to care for your body and, and the fact that it's yours to make decisions about. So I think that coming from that framework, I think that's helpful to just say, you know, this is not mine, it's yours. Mm -hmm. And I think that as a parent, I'm not sure that we do enough, frankly, for our kids with alopecia or without alopecia, talking with our kids about body autonomy and agency. And so I think if I could turn back the clock a little bit, I might have started framing things a little bit differently a little bit earlier. But you know, these are values-based decisions, right? I think that many people feel, you know, the ideas of consent and agency and autonomy are really fully in parental control mm. up until much older. But I think when making decisions about treatment that is cosmetic or not life-saving, I think that being, for, for kids to sort of be aware that they are, in control and making decisions when so much of their world has been taken out of their control in terms of physical appearance and self-identity and the vision that they see in the mirror. I think it's important for us as parents to just sort of reinforce, no, yeah, that's still your body. And you know, we're, you're still going to be the primary decision maker about what we do. Obviously, mm -hmm. we want to keep you safe, but you should be making decisions about whether or not you want to do treatment. And I think the most important concept for me is giving kids the ability to say, yeah, I don't want to do that, or helping build those internal and intrinsic coping mechanisms so that making that decision is okay, right? Mm -hmm. So like that, that we're not putting our kids at risk based on our own anxieties or fears around what could happen, what might happen when we really don't have all the answers and, and we're making decisions about medications that are imperfect at best. Right. And really distinguishing between that that fear versus reality of, you know, like you said, our expectations of of what could be in the future and and just living in the moment and saying this is what we know now. And and a lot of what we're doing right now with this pandemic, right? I mean we're doing that right now. Yeah, we're doing that right now. And you know, we're talking about personal safety now and having spent the better part of my life working in the HIV field, I'm not ready to lose patients again. Like mm -hmm. we lost lots of people. And so just kind of talking with colleagues and peers about the uncertainty and what that looks like and things that we can control and things that we can't. Mm -hmm. I think that having been with Andre and really helping him kind of walk through that has been helpful in so many ways. It's just in terms of living in the moment. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So what advice would you give other than this amazing advice that you've already given? <laughs> oh, to? I don't know. It's so amazing. But, you know, I think that when we characterize alopecia as an illness and as something that is to be fixed, right? We are probably Oh, we're probably giving our kids this idea that they need to be fixed. Mm -hmm. And actually, they don't. You know, I prefer to characterize alopecia as a visible difference, right? And mm -hmm. so, yes, this makes you different. It makes you different than most of the people that you will encounter. But that difference is just visible. There's nothing else that is wrong with you. Like, you, yes, you look different. So I, I, I like to kind of take it out of a medicalized model. 
you know, we, we will be medicalized in our seventies and eighties. We don't need to be medicalizing our kids now. And so I think that our anxiety and fear about what the future might hold for our kids sometimes pushes us to make decisions that frankly, we wouldn't even make for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I guess like if I were to give someone advice, I would say, take your cues from your kid, immediately begin to work on coping strategies, self-esteem, any sort of shoring up that you can provide for your child around things that make them not only different, but things that make them exceptional. Even if it's just coping with looking different, that makes you an exceptional human being. That would be one piece of advice. And then the other advice is that it is not your job as a parent or your child's job to educate everyone that you encounter about alopecia. Mm -hmm. There is an internet for that. (laughs) And so one of the things that's been helpful for my family is we try to have three answers ready to go for people that have questions or are rude or inquisitive or all of the above or genuinely concerned. And we like to have a funny answer and we like to have an answer that is, you know, earnest. And then we like to have an answer that we call our F off answer. And so, you know, if you can kind of stock your child's quiver with three quick responses, practice those, that's been really helpful. And one of my personal favorites is when I overhear someone speaking about my son on the soccer field or remarking about his difference, I'll just say, oh, I I understand that you're asking questions about the bald kid. That's my son. And, you know, I'm happy to answer questions, but each question will be $20. And I'm, (laughs) since you've already asked a couple, we're about, you know, however far we are, like we're 40 in. All these donations go to Children's Alopecia Project, so I will not be pocketing your money. But if you want to ask any more questions, I'm going to need your cash in advance. (laughs) Or you can Venmo me. So that works really well, shuts people down pretty quickly. Putting the burden of education on yourself or a child when you're really kind of coming to terms with the new reality is too much. Like, so I think it's nice to be able to say, oh, it's alopecia. They're very healthy. Everything's good. Thanks for asking. But like, not at Target, you know, I'm at Target being able to just say, no, we're not doing that right now. And your, your kids will cue off that because they'll look terrified. And then when you say something and the person stops, your kid will laugh. Like they'll be like, oh my God, like, yeah, that was ridiculous. Um, (laughs) So yeah, been there, done that. Yep. I'm a big believer in educating, you know, but like you said, in those early days or when you don't feel like it, don't, you know, I mean, if you're not up for it, there's days that I'm just like, "Ah, I don't want to talk to you about this. I just want to get my groceries and go. It's a lot. A kid and they're just trying to get through the day and like, you know, I don't want to put any extra responsibility on the kid Mm -hmm. to just oh, you have to answer. No, you really don't. Right. (laughs) Right. You really just don't. You know, so I agree. I agree. Thank you for that. You know, listeners and kids and parents who are listeners are going to be really appreciative of all of this great information that you've shared with us today. So I just want to thank you for being here with us and wish you well for the future and all you do. I I love the work that you do personally. And I just want to say thank you again for being with us today. 
Oh, thanks so much. This is a club that I'm certainly thrilled to be part of. So I wish everybody the best. And I'm just hopeful that anything that we can do together, we can do better. So I'm just happy to have been invited. And I appreciate your support as well. It's been so nice to connect. Thank you so much for joining us on Alopecia Life for this bonus episode with Mimi Rivard. If you're interested in reading the story firsthand, theirs can be found on page 108 and 109. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Join our Alopecia Life Facebook group and find out more information at headonlifecoaching.com. The information on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment and is meant for general information purposes only. If you're enjoying these episodes and finding the tips helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to and download podcasts.